chapter 16 and verse 1. So he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but his, but his father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from time to time, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Hey, well, we'll see, as we've been seeing, Paul's missionary journeys are going to continue, and we'll see that it's Jesus uh, who keeps building his church. You know, the big picture of Acts is that uh, Jesus, before he returns to heaven, gives the Spirit to the apostles, so they will continue uh, the work of Jesus in building God's kingdom. And in this little section, we see the guiding of Jesus through his Spirit in both of these stories. In the first five verses, uh, Paul is guided to do something that uh, maybe as we start to think about it, it's kind of surprising, uh, so that Jesus, the Messiah, can be preached to the Jews. And then in the second, and again, it's perhaps surprising to us, Paul is forbidden from preaching in certain parts of the world by the Spirit of Jesus so that ultimately the good news could reach Europe uh, for the first time. Uh, so we're seeing that Jesus builds his church and he does it in his way, uh, with his timing, and it's all for his glory. Um, so let's think about those first five verses uh, and think about this idea that Jesus' mission makes the gospel central. Uh, a long time ago, uh, a Christian uh, pastor by the name of John Newton described the Apostle Paul uh, in this way. He described him as an iron pillar in essentials, but a reed in non-essentials. And this is one of those places where we see that in chapter 15, uh, he had the wisdom and the conviction to say that we cannot bend the truth. Uh, people are saved by grace alone, so we cannot for a second give people the impression that circumcision saves. But he also has the love and compassion to say, do you know what? We can bend in our mission so that the glory of God's love can be shared. Paul's heart is that he wants to make followers of Jesus wherever he goes. He wants God to be glorified through uh, his son getting glory. Uh, he's not trying to convert people to uh, his tribe or to exercise his freedoms instantly. And we see that very clearly in these first five verses. And uh, we see it in uh, how and why Paul has Timothy undergo this Jewish rite of circumcision. Having just argued at the Jerusalem Council, uh, that a person doesn't need to be circumcised to be saved, 
he then has Timothy circumcised for mission. So that's something we need to think about. We'll do that in a couple of minutes. Uh, But first of all, uh, let's introduce ourselves to Timothy. Uh, What do we know of him from the first couple of verses? Uh, A disciple named Timothy lived in Lystra, uh, whose mother was a a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. So Timothy comes from a a mixed-race family, a Gentile father, a Jewish mother. According to Jewish law, he is a Jew, uh, but he's not been circumcised. So this either says um, his father didn't want him to be raised Jewish, perhaps sort of similar to what Andy was sharing with us, um, or uh, his mom was not uh, very faithful as a Jew and didn't bother to have Timothy circumcised. But at some point, most likely on Paul's first missionary journey, uh, Timothy and his mom are converted. They come to faith in the Lord Jesus. Chapter 14 tells us of Paul's visit to uh, Derby and Lystra. And what we discover of Timothy is he's well thought of uh, as a follower of Jesus. Uh, Paul makes a decision in verse 3. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew his father was a Greek. So as Andrew was reminding us, he's now separated from his partner in ministry, Barnabas. He's taken Silas along with him, but it seems he wants to take another mission partner, Timothy, perhaps to train up this uh, young Christian man uh, in mission, and he has him circumcised. And again, we'll come back to that in a moment. But the result of their travels uh, is so encouraging. Verse 4 and 5, as they carry about the verdict of the Jerusalem Council, Uh, that faith in Jesus alone is enough for salvation. Uh, You're saved by trusting in God's grace, not in circumcision. Uh, What are we told? We're told the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. There's strength, there's stability, there's numerical growth as the gospel is confirmed. So so given that that's the case, I wonder if if anybody is, is a little bit surprised by what's happening in verse 5, chapter 15 and what's happening in chapter 16. Chapter 15, there's that battle against, you know, keep the law, be circumcised to be saved. And then here, Timothy is told to be circumcised. So we need to think, why is that? So some people have suggested, well, here is Paul being inconsistent. Or here is Paul operating out of fear. He has certain convictions But because he's fearful of the Jewish community, he goes against those convictions and has Timothy circumcised. But that's not it. Uh, When you read Paul's letters, when you uh, read of his experience, you discover just how bold he is as a servant of Jesus. Uh, What we have here is that Paul cares, first and foremost, for people's salvation, his His big dream is that people will come to faith in the Lord Jesus. His concern is for the glory of Jesus and the extension of his kingdom. So what he's doing here is he is taking a barrier away to gospel proclamation. If I circumcise Timothy, then it will allow him to speak to a Jewish audience. Sometimes we have that about certain people. We we look at them or or we hear them, and, and we have a certain amount of distrust. You know, his, his teeth are too white, or his hair is too slicked, he's too loud, he's too polished, and we make judgments. 
uh, for a Jew, they wouldn't listen to Timothy because they would simply say he's unclean. He's not one of us. Therefore, we won't listen to his message. And so Paul, for the sake of the gospel, had Timothy circumcised. John Stott, I think, puts it well. He says, what was unnecessary for acceptance with God, you know, Paul has argued it's not necessary to be circumcised, to be right with God. So what was unnecessary for acceptance with God was advisable for acceptance by some human beings. Timothy being circumcised is not a, a salvation issue. It's a, a stigma issue. If Timothy is circumcised, then he's much more likely to be effective in mission to the Jews, and he'll also be used in mission to the Gentiles. Now, Paul could have said, listen, Timothy is free not to be circumcised. But he doesn't use that freedom, and he encourages Timothy to not exercise that freedom for the sake of the Jews who had weak consciences. Uh, because his goal is not that we exercise freedom, his goal is that the gospel is known and heard and that the Messiah is announced. Uh, we see some examples of that in uh, mission history. Um, if you've ever read the story of Hudson Taylor, um, you'll know that he shocked uh, the churches in the UK uh, by going to China and adopting Chinese dress and getting the, the Chinese uh, top knot in his hair. Uh, but although he shocked people at home, he opened a door for the gospel uh, in China. It's one of the things I think we would do well uh, to pray for missionaries, to have that wisdom to be able to, to understand the culture so as to speak the gospel into it. Paul knew the Jewish culture, and he knew a circumcised male would be a better preacher than an uncircumcised Jewish male. Uh, again, missionary story. There's a wonderful book uh, written by uh, Don Richardson, a missionary who died last year, called Peace Child. Um, Don and his wife were working in uh, tribal island communities in Indonesia. And he was finding uh, the going really tough in terms of sharing the gospel uh, no sign of anyone giving Jesus a hearing. In fact, they thought Jesus was weak. They thought Judas was the hero of the gospel story, actually. Um, and so he was faithfully trying to communicate the gospel, trying to find a way in, until he discovered this. Uh, there were three tribes at war, uh, constant fighting, and eventually they decided, somebody made this remarkable move. Um, one of the chiefs gave a, a newborn, his newborn child, to one of the rival chiefs in order to raise the child. Um, the child was given, adopted, in order to end the fighting, became known as the peace child. The idea being, if a man is give, willing to give his child uh, to his enemies, then that's a man who can be trusted. Therefore, I should stop fighting with him. And Don Richardson sort of looking into the culture, realized here's a connection with the gospel. And so spoke about God the Father giving Jesus as the peace child um, to make us as enemies into friends, uh, securing our forgiveness, that the God that he spoke of could be trusted because he was willing to give 
uh, his son uh, to his enemy. Um, but he was uh, looking to understand the culture and to, to speak into it sensitively. And I think that's one of the things that we learn from the book of Acts, uh, the importance of thinking to ourselves, am I trying to win someone for Christ, first and foremost? Or am I also, maybe even without meaning to, saying, but to do that, you must also be a, a lot or a little like me. It's not what we see from Paul uh, he makes the gospel central. There's that wonderful section in 1 Corinthians 9 where we discover Paul's uh, ministry model. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. So Jesus' mission makes the gospel central, and we see that in Paul's experience. Uh, and then we come to uh, that surprising little section, verses 6 to 10, where we see Jesus, by his Spirit, uh, closes some doors and opens other doors for mission. So let's remind ourselves of what's happening. Verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. So Paul's mission here hits a roadblock not once, but twice. So he's got this plan A, natural plan A. Uh, let's carry along the, the Roman road called the Via Sebast, 150 miles southwest towards Asia, towards Colossae, towards Ephesus. But the Spirit says, no. Uh, so then they have another plan. Well, let's head north. Uh, to the non-Roman territory of Mysia. And again, the Spirit of Jesus says, no. Um, so they've only got one other road left to take. Uh, so they head northwest uh, on the road that eventually leads them towards Troas. And what we discover is that while they're on that journey, verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. God gives him uh, this vision. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So Paul talks to his colleagues, and um, they all decide that this is confirmation that we should uh, go over uh, to Macedonia to share the gospel. And we'll see next week the, the gospel entering into Europe. But what are we seeing here? Uh, we're seeing that Jesus gave his spirit to the church. Uh, we're seeing that the spirit directs the mission of the church, and the spirit is directing Paul uh, in different ways, so that uh, in um, God's purposes, the gospel would come to Europe. Um, so the spirit works by closing some doors, by saying to Paul, no, you're not going there, and by opening other doors. He prohibits and he permits and it's interesting that we're not told how the Spirit does that. But as we look through the book of Acts, uh, we can learn certain things about God's guidance and mission that we see in Paul's own experience. We discover the Spirit uses various methods in order to guide his church in mission. Sometimes that's through circumstances. So we don't know this, but it may have been that Paul 
uh, tried to go there, but the authorities were hostile. There was a Jewish community that, that chased them off. It could have been that he had an illness. Uh, so those things happened in other situations. So circumstances are part of the way uh, that the Spirit works to guide the mission. Uh, perhaps it was simply a sense of conviction. Perhaps uh, they went to go and then they really had a feeling that this wasn't uh, the right place at uh, the right time. We find in other times in the book of Acts, there's a message of a prophet that comes and the, um, the apostles will respond to that and will change their plans, will change direction because they feel a sense of conviction um, from uh, one of the prophets. In verse 9, we can certainly say uh, that God's uh, voice, God's words is guiding them in the sense that he's given them this vision. Uh, and then in verse 10, we can also say that Paul's mission is guided in part by discussing with other people. Um, so there are circumstances, um, there are convictions, there is the word of God, there's other people all playing their part in how um, God, by his spirit, directs the church in mission. And when we think about guidance, sometimes uh, we can make guidance seem like a really sort of supernatural out there kind of thing that we have to wait for, sort of voices from the sky or our great visions, but we're discovering, and we find this to be true in the Bible, that God most often works through those normal means. In our own lives, He gives us common sense. He gives us other people uh, to discuss things with. He gives us our own sense of convictions about what is the right thing to do. He gives us the Word of God to give us direction and the gift of prayer. Uh, he gives us a fellowship of God's people uh, to together seek to understand how God uh, is leading and guiding. Um, but what we see in Paul's experience is that the Spirit uses various methods uh, as he directs his mission. Um, and in that, and we see this from Paul's experience, that that experience will not always be comfortable trying to understand God's guidance, especially when we feel God is saying no or not now, can be hard, can be frustrating at times. We can be confused. We can feel really compelled to do a certain thing, but it comes, becomes clear that it's just not meant to be right now, and that can be a hard place to be. Um, it made me think of uh, the Dr. Zeus story, All the Places You'll Go, if you know uh, that book, you'll know that there is a place called the waiting place, a useless place where everyone is just waiting. Um, and, and sometimes we can feel like that. There can be a real uh, sense of burden uh, that we want to do something for God, but the opportunity just isn't there, and that's a really hard thing to deal with. I, I remember that in my own experience. I finished uh, studying um, up at the Highland Theological College, and I spent months sort of pushing at doors, trying to find the right ministry opportunity uh, in the UK, in Europe, in various places. And it was a, a really difficult time, sort of lots of sleepless nights, lots, lots of confusion as to uh, where is the best place to go. And ultimately, as God was saying, stay and learn some more. But it was a hard time uh, of wrestling. And that can be hard when we find that our timing and God's timing don't naturally align. 
trusting the sovereign plan and the sovereign timing of God is the right thing to do, but it's not easy. Sometimes we can feel confused. We might feel confused. Why didn't God allow Paul to preach the gospel in Asia? And it's important for us in those moments to be able to pull back and to remember God's never confused. Uh, The sovereign God has a perfect plan for his people, for his church, for his mission. Sometimes it helps to learn from history. Church history shows that God knows what he's doing. Discovered this week that uh, David Livingston, a famous missionary to Africa, he actually really wanted to go to China. And God didn't allow him to go to China, but instead sent him to Africa. Uh, Maybe you've heard the story of of Gladys Aylward and her uh, incredible ministry to abandoned children and to women in China. Well, Gladys Aylward had been rejected by all the the missions sending missionaries to China. Uh, She wasn't smart enough. She wasn't well-educated enough. She'd never be able to learn the language and culture. But God had his plan. Um, Paul was forbidden by Jesus from sharing the gospel for weeks. And we're not told how Paul felt about that, but we do know that in God's providence, that was the way for the gospel to come to Europe. God knows what he is doing. Um, And we also see from Paul that when a door of opportunity opens, uh, we should go for it. When they have that sense that they should go to Macedonia, and we'll get here next week, uh, we'll see what happens when they arrive in Philippi. It's a remarkable story. He's going to meet a girl who's held prisoner by men uh, and by evil spirits. We're going to find him chained up in prison, but he's still going to be singing hymns of praise. Why? Because he knows that he's following the call of Jesus. Uh, He knows he's walking in obedience. Uh, So he's learned to be content because God had called him there. So if we're here today and we feel like we're in in the waiting place uh, where doors are closing rather than opening, we encourage you to take heart in the good purposes and the perfect timing of God, that we'll be able to submit to him and to serve now with patience while we wait uh, for what doors might open. But then on the flip side, if God is opening a door of opportunity for useful service in a friendship or in a a ministry capacity. Take confidence in the gospel. Take confidence in the the power of the Spirit. Take heart in the fact that God is concerned for His glory and God's able to use and chooses to work through the church, chooses to work through His people for His glory. Remember uh, from this story that God uses something surprising people And he uses surprising providences in order to extend his mission. Um, So perhaps for us, we can think for ourselves, what will it mean for us this week or in these relationships that we have to be flexible uh, in order for the gospel to be shared? To think, how do I need to respond to the way that the Spirit is guiding me today or how he's been guiding us in the last number of weeks. And let's remember that Jesus is the one who is the head of the church and who is continuing to build his church and to do that through us.